that brings us to 9 a.m. on the dot on this Wednesday, the 26th of August. And we're so very pleased that you're with us here for our live edition of Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. Our revised programming schedule now has Community Pulse coming to you live Monday and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And as always, you can find our backdated episodes online, our website, kopn.org, our Facebook feed, and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On this morning's program, we do have a pre-recorded interview. Public health advocate Ginny Chadwick interviewed Kathy Steinhoff, who is the president of Columbia, Missouri National Educational Association, also a math teacher at Hickman High School, and Noelle Gilzow. She is the uh, <coughs> first vice president for Health and Safety Advisory Committee chairperson from public schools, CPS. Before getting to the interview, uh, Ginny is here with us live to go over some local numbers and trends. Good morning, Ginny. Good morning, Peter, and thank you so much to the listeners at KOPN. So looking at Matthew Holloway's data in Missouri, we had 1,092, or sorry, 1,095 new cases identified in the state of Missouri yesterday um, with 72 of our 117 um, jurisdictions reporting. Our average um, daily rate for a seven-day average is over a thousand still of new cases being identified in Missouri. Concerning always is that we are seeing a trend upward yet again of our positive rate. So we're at 12% statewide. That means that we have broad community spread. The World Health Organization says anything over 5% um, testing positive means that there's broad community spread. We are over double at 12%. And that positivity rate is also within Boone County, very high. Um, We had 26 deaths in the state of Missouri um, reported. As uh, our listeners probably know, we did have our sixth death in Boone County identified on Monday of someone in their 80s. Um, So we're averaging as a state um, about 14 deaths per day from COVID-19. When we look at what's happening in Boone County, it's very concerning. And I know that our listeners are probably watching it. We had 70 new cases identified yesterday. Um, So our Columbia Public School rate is going up. Um, The Columbia Public School teachers are back in session. And so we pre-recorded the show just an hour ago, right before um, they're in the classroom. Students are not yet. And so Peter is going to record play this recorded video um, of what the Columbia, um, the Columbia, Missouri National Education Association, what they're calling for and some concerns that they're having as we look at the data. So, Peter, if you could start that recording for us. Thank you so much. My great pleasure, Ginny, and thank you so much for conducting the interview. We'll now go ahead and proceed. Thank you both so much for being on the show and welcome, um, Kathy and Noel. Can you give me just a bit of background on what the Columbia, Missouri um, National Education Association is and, and, you know, what role does it typically play in our, our community and our public school system? We're a local affiliate of the National Education Association and also part of the Missouri National Education Association, which is made up of educators across our nation. Um, and CMNEA has 600, a little over 600 members that are all CPS employees. And 
We are under the mission that we believe every child deserves a great public school. So we are strong advocates, supporters, and promoters of great public schools. We also are a union that represents the teachers of Columbia Public Schools. And so with this pandemic happening, of course, we uh, initiated some committees to study that. And I'm gonna let Noelle tell you about our health and safety committee as she was the chair of that committee. Thanks, yeah, Noelle, please tell us. Um, obviously, there was a big concern with reopening schools and doing so safely. So we felt that it was important that teacher voice be included in the district plans for reopening. So under Kathy's um, great idea, we formed two committees. She'll talk about the other one. One was for teaching and learning. And then the one that I was the chairperson for was for health and safety. And so we spent many hours over the summer meeting to discuss those things we felt should be included in any plan to reopen schools safely. And so I'm curious, where were you guys getting your information or knowledge on what would be the guidelines to safely reopen a school? Um, we considered documents that were put out by the NEA, our parent organization, as well as CDC guidelines and um, current research in things like masks, effectiveness versus shields, and things like that. Um, we looked to uh, the Journal of American Medical Association and places like that. But primarily, a lot of our guidance comes from the Boone County Health Department and CDC documents. Awesome. And, you know, I know as a member of the um, American Public Health Association, you know, they did a great webinar on safely opening schools. So what are some of the guidelines that you guys found that are needed to safely reopen our schools? Um, we kind of broke our guidance down into things that we thought the district should do, things we thought classroom teachers and educators should do, and things families should do. And then we had a follow-up part for things that we as an organization need to continue to do. For the district, we recommended um, waiting until after Labor Day to start school, which was in fact taken under our advisement. Um, and that was so that we could see the impact of the return of college students to our community and the impact that had on the number of cases in our community. And I'm going to stop you because I think you were right in that request, right? Because we see now, I mean, we can only know so much. And, you know, I mentioned on the, on the Monday show that, you know, we're really doing scientific experiments on humans right now, and that we don't know how this virus is gonna react as we change different situations. And as, you know, the Boone County Health Department has loosened our stay-at-home guidelines, and we've opened up bars and restaurants, you know, we didn't know exactly how the impact of that would be. And then having our bars and restaurants open with college students going you know and they were booming even last night um silver ball is a place that you know the health department um went in and they voluntarily closed on saturday night but last night again they were full of college kids and so it you know so we're starting in the the date for everybody that we're actually starting back to school the date we're starting back to school is uh, the 8th, the day after Labor Day. 
great. Okay, so the Columbia Public School Board clearly took that recommendation to heart um, and moved the date to, to Labor Day. What are some of the other requests you guys are making? Uh, we also asked for an, a mask mandate uh, for any person in our school buildings, either entering for delivering mail or a student or a teacher or anybody um, who's in the building should wear a mask. Um, and and we made that really on the forefront of the mask mandate for the city of Columbia, right? And so the Columbia Public Schools came out saying that anybody going within the public school system would be wearing a mask before, is my recollection, the city actually adopted a mask mandate. Isn't that correct? I think we were discussing it and Columbia Public Schools at the time had said that it was recommended. We strengthened our wording to saying it should be required. Um, and then the mask mandate fell kind of in the middle of those discussions. Mm -hmm. So then we felt like we had more of a leg to stand on because the city is also requesting or asking people to wear masks too. So that really helped. Um, oh, well, can I jump in too yes. and say one of the things that I think is very different about the recommendations we made as opposed to other groups that you see is that it's rooted in teacher voice. And so being the experts in the classroom and knowing exactly what we're going to experience on a day in day out basis. Um, we're really able to temper the the health guidelines with the reality and practicality guidelines because we all are so anxious to get back to school. We're anxious to be with our kids, but we want everyone to be safe. We want them, their families, us, our families. And so I think that that was the part of our recommendations that really we, we received a lot of response toward them. And I think that was it, that a lot of people could see our voice of being in the classroom with these recommendations. Thanks, Kathy. So Noel, what are some of the other requests that this um, health committee has made? We also requested um, things surrounding sanitation. Um, we should have uh, solutions and materials needed in classes to be able to clean desktops and doorknobs and frequently touched objects between classes. Um, we made recommendations about mediating germ spread in hallways and maybe affecting the flow of traffic in our hallways. Um, and then I'm not remembering another one, Kathy, do you remember oh, well, when we, we asked the district? We could talk about the recommendation to go from 50 to 30 on that benchmark. Yeah, I, I, say, I think that that's the big one, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's complicated. So I, I know Noelle can tell where those numbers came from. Yeah. Okay. That I hadn't even gotten into the second part of the conversation. Oh, sorry. <laughs> with, no, that's okay. The first round of recommendations. And after we submitted those recommendations, the district came out with a plan that now included a hybrid model and changed some of our thinking. And so they found this Minnesota model, which was vetted by the health department in Minnesota, that down when students would be virtual learning or distance learning, um, when they would be hybrid and when they would be in seat. And the thing is they broke it down and separated out elementary and secondary students. So at the particular benchmark that we're concerned about, which is between hybrid and um, virtual learning, 
there was a discrepancy between elementary students and secondary students. Secondary students would be going to all virtual learning at a caseload of 30 per 10,000 and the elementary were at 50 per 10,000. And this is in the Minnesota model. Um, that's, that, that's in the Minnesota model. And for the folks so, who are listening and might not know, um, you know, we had Kip Kendrick on the show previously. Missouri is a state that we fund our state health department at the lowest rate of any state health department. And I have worked with the state health department and the folks up in Minnesota. And I want to say that they are rock stars. They are are rock stars in that they have the funding to do the job that they need to do. Minnesota is one of the states that that funds their health departments at the highest level. When they put together these guidelines, I am confident that they looked at science and were thoughtful about what they were doing and how they were drafting these guidelines. And so you're saying that what the Columbia Public School District has made the recommendation to do in adopting the Minnesota model, we have modified that model and changed. And, and if you can explain to our listeners for just a moment, what does this 50 and 10 and 30 number mean? Okay, in terms of the, let's go with the 50, um, the the benchmark we adopted, um, and I'd like to step back for just a second to explain that we collapsed the categories so that we don't treat elementary and secondary students differently because after that model was found, um, new research came out that suggested that younger children are just as susceptible and just as capable of transmitting the virus. So wisely our district decided to collapse that category however they went with the higher benchmark which was originally allotted for the elementary students instead of the 30 that was the benchmark for the secondary students and we believe that's a misreading of the model and it should be the other way and when we say higher, we don't mean more stringent or stricter. We actually mean looser regulations, that higher right. number. Right, higher numbers, exactly. So at the, at the 50 benchmark, what that would mean over a 14-day period is that we'd have about 650 new cases in that 14-day period. And that averages around 46 or so new cases per day which we're kind of currently on trend to do anyway. We were recommending the, the lower number so that we wouldn't have to put so many people at risk before we transitioned to um, virtual learning. Awesome, okay. I know that you have another committee you wanted to talk about and to be thoughtful of time. What are some of the other things that you want to make sure that the listeners understand that you guys are asking for and you're concerned about? The, the other committee is our teaching and learning committee. And, and honestly, for most of us, that was the one that we felt more comfortable dealing with because that's where our expertise lies. And we knew we were going to be in a very virtual world and that was going to be new to us and it's going to be new to our students and new to our families. And we also know that in the spring, things didn't go so well when we moved to a virtual world. We know that it really uh, produced a lot of stress on everyone involved. So we wanted to eliminate that and that's why we um, put some recommendations out there of what virtual learning would look like. Um, and we're, we're seeing it now because as you may know, teachers are back in school right now and they're trying to plan their curriculum. So there's a lot of what ifs about what those um, lessons are going to look like online. And 
So what are we anticipating, right? As we look at the numbers and, you know, the, the average number right now is above that 30 um, benchmark and it is quickly approaching 50. So we were at on August the 16th, 24, um, as our rate per 10,000 um, case number within the Columbia Public School catchment area. And we had been pretty stable at that 24 number for, me for many days and then starting on as the students return starting on August 20th we see that benchmark start to escalate and over these last five six days um, that benchmark has gone from 24 to now 41.8 and so we are quickly and and scarily approaching uh, overturning even that 50 benchmark um, that the Columbia Public School Board has currently adopted as our 100% online model so as a teacher, I cannot imagine what you guys are going through and the idea of, is this gonna be 100% remote? Is this gonna be um, a hybrid model of two days a week? Or are we going to be, you know, and I think we can all say the math doesn't work out now, but there's no way that we're gonna get under that 10 person per 10,000 benchmark by the time the public school system opens to be 100% in person. Um, and I think that you know, tell me where the teachers are thinking it's going and obviously where do you guys want to be going? Noelle, you want to take that? Okay, so um, I honestly believe that we, the question is going to be whether it's hybrid or virtual. And I'm leaning towards thinking that the district has held off on making that um, announcement because they see the writing on the wall that we may very well be starting virtually. Now, in terms of what we want, that's kind of a two-edged sword because we want to see our kids. We want to have normalcy for our students. We want to be the safe haven for some students that the schools are. Um, and we want things to be back to normal. But at the same time, we want to be safe for ourselves, for our families, and for our students and their families. So what we want is kind of both. Uh, we would love to be able to see our kids, but with the way the numbers are going, I think many teachers feel it would be safest to start in a virtual model, let that get our year started, and then evaluate periodically what the numbers are doing and make our decisions based on that. And we know that, um, especially for certain populations of kids, that in-person learning is it's much more beneficial to them. Um, we also know that further disparities um, will be created by going all virtual. And so I can only imagine that there's a big push by the Columbia Public School teachers to get these kids in the classroom. You know, there's some things that we know by science that I'm sure you guys have been watching um, that impact community transmission rates. And we are obviously seeing a great escalation in our community transmission rates. The um, Columbia Boone County Health Department had put in restrictions at the beginning of the pandemic that closed bars, um, you know, made restaurants only take out um, service. And we loosen those guidelines. And as we have, we've seen our, you know, our bars fill back up, especially as the students come back. Is the um, association making any recommendations to the city on restrictions that are happening that would help to get our kids back in the classrooms in that do we see 
public education as an essential service and should we consider non-essential services that are open right now in Columbia, Missouri or in the um, Columbia Public School District region? We have not gone that far with our recommendations. We've been really pleased to be in Columbia where our health department and our city have worked together to provide such safe guidelines. We know that um, as a, a state and national organization, we can say that that has not been the case across the state of Missouri. There are a lot of areas that are not um, heeding the warnings of their health department the way Columbia is, so we appreciate that. I think the important thing is that if we were following all of the recommendations, not recommendations, on the mandates, if we were following those mandates, we'd be in a lot better place. So I believe it really comes down to the people in our community really heeding those guidelines. Um, I think we all have stories of being out and seeing people without masks on. And the idea that is being generated that some people is like, oh, it doesn't matter you know, to me, I'll take my chances. And they don't understand the message of you're doing it for everyone else. And so if we could if we could get everyone to comply with what's being asked of them for the safety of everyone in our community, that would be a great step in getting our schools to open up. And what we have done in terms of recommendations is directed towards our families, encouraging them to have masks, teaching them about mask care and how to um, minimize the spread of any potential virus throughout their home and also the honesty and transparency piece about if your kid is not feeling well, please don't send him or her to school. Um, get them tested if the symptoms are COVID-like. Um, and I, and think, I wanna say that that is a different message than parents have received for a really long time. And that, you know, before parents had to have a doctor's note to keep a kid home and that absences were really um, hit against them. You know, the, I have a daughter who's in high school in the A plus program, right? If you miss so many days, you will lose that opportunity to get A plus funding for colleges in the state of Missouri. And, you know, the A plus, um, criteria is pretty stringent on absences. And so it is the message that we have always sent to our culture that we go on even when we're sick. And so to hear this new message, if your child is at all running a fever or have a cough, don't send them to school. Do you, how do you think that that's changing the message that we've had and maybe hard for parents? Well, I think, and Kathy can back me up on this, I think it's hard for a number of reasons. Um, one is because the culture is that you just kind of march on and you don't want to miss school. But I also think for some families, it's an economic hardship to try to figure out that and what you're going to do with your child who's now at home and maybe home for 14 days. Um, so that's a huge consideration. Um, one thing that will help though is the fact that we have restructured all of our learning to where it could be done in person or online so that because we also know that parents sent the message teachers sent the message you know get to school you might miss something important and we're saying you know stay home let's keep everyone safe if you feel healthy enough log in online so that you can, you don't get behind so you don't miss out on things because Jenny, that same thing's gonna happen with our employees. We have been people who rarely use our sick days. We come in and many times we're thinking maybe we shouldn't have gone in that day. And we really have got to, so sniffles and a little fever sometimes maybe didn't matter to a teacher. It needs to matter tremendously this year.
Yeah, and so just to go back to this um, request of looking at the rate of 30 rather than the rate of 50 per 10,000, um, you guys have communicated that to the um, superintendent. Um, is there another school board meeting? And what does the decision making process look like? Because we are quickly approaching our first day of school and the cases as we wonder, are they going to stay between that under the 50? Are they going to stay under 30? That decision to go to that model was voted on by the school board. So to change to the 30 would require a vote of the school board, which means they would have to reconvene. And I don't believe that there's a meeting scheduled for them to do that. That doesn't mean that they couldn't convene a meeting. So my suspicion is behind the scenes, they're talking a lot. And I know that earlier when we thought there was going to be a definitive decision on Monday, I was really concerned. I was thinking, I wish that we had heard back and they at least gave us some idea of how they felt about the 30. But we know that the decision that came out on Monday um, really lent itself to be changed. It said that we're gonna to continue to look at these numbers. And I'll be honest that even yesterday, I was thinking that I wish that they would make this decision quickly. It's an urgency. Today, I'm thinking if they wait a little while, it might be at 50 and that maybe they could postpone the decision. So my guess is that they might be in that similar position that we could wait a few days to just see if it gets above the 50, which would mean that they wouldn't have to make the actual decision to the model um, in such an urgent situation. I think that for parents, though, we are so much in limbo, and especially parents of young children, like, are we going to even get two days in the classroom, or do I need five-day-a-week childcare, um, right? This has a huge economic impact, I think far greater than any um, individual or high-risk unessential business that we could close, the Columbia Public Schools serves as, whether we want it to or not, child care for so many communities and especially our low-income communities. I hear a lot of parents in, um, you know, as a white woman who's educated, I hear a lot of my uh, peers saying, well, I am going to, you know, hire a private tutor or send my kid to private school. That is not an option for everybody in this community. And so as we don't make the decision, I expected on uh, August 24th that a clear decision would be made. And that email I read three and four times to say, there's not a decision in this email. They left it in a very ambiguous place that they could quickly change to 100% virtual learning. And so I'm, I, I'm reassured to hear from you guys that that decision has not been made, but understand and sympathetic to the parents that are in limbo now with that decision. Well, and Judy, you asked before about, you know, our message possibly to the community about safety. I was thinking at that time, really the message that I'd like to send to the community is that there's a very good chance, whether we start virtual, we're going to end up virtual at some point throughout this semester and likely throughout the, the whole school year. And I would really like to make a plea to our, our businesses and people who have the ability to support our families with childcare. We know there are some businesses in town that are already creating systems where they have set aside space where their employees can bring their kids in so their kids can do school, where they have access to Wi-Fi, and they can have some kind of supervision. I don't know all the details of that, but I do know that our community is pretty incredible. And I think when they brainstorm ideas of how to help each other, they can make that happen. And it could be that some employers haven't quite thought about that, and that maybe they do have the space and maybe it wouldn't take that much for them to brainstorm ideas of how to help our families out. 
excellent idea. I know, especially as a lot of us are working remote, businesses find themselves with more space than they had before. So mm -hmm. that's a great call. Um, okay, final thoughts as we wrap up this interview. And thank you both for taking the time. I know that the Columbia Public School District teachers are already back in session and back in their contracts, um, trying to figure out what their curriculum looks like. And, you know, when I say I'm sympathetic to, to parents, I am am even more so sympathetic to the ambiguity for teachers right now. Um, so final thoughts. I think for me, it's just that I really see that emotions are high everywhere and they are because these are real things. You know, this is impacting our mental health. It's impacting our financial resources. It's impacting our children's education, all things that are important to us. And that we need to remember that there, there's not an enemy. There's not a person out there that's doing this. And there, there seems to be a lot of kind of um, ugliness being spewed around on this issue and I assure you that our teachers want to be with our students. I know our district is working around the clock to make it the best situation that it can be. I know our parents are supportive of our teachers but also need to figure out what they're doing with their kids. So I just think be mindful of the fact that we're really all in this together. We are not enemies of each other in this. And Noel, last thought. Oh, I just echo everything Kathy just said so beautifully. Um, but I would ask that our community be mindful and do sacrifice a little bit of personal freedom, wear your mask, wash hands frequently, socially distance, because even though it's inconvenient and not the most comfortable all the time, we can nip this and get things back to normal more quickly if people follow these guidelines for a few weeks. Thank you guys both for joining today. Um, and I will be back to the studio with the KOPN listeners. Thanks so much. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. If you're just tuning in, that was public health advocate Ginny Chadwick. She was interviewing Kathy Steinhoff and also Noelle Jilzow. They are the president and vice president, respectively, of the Columbia, Missouri National Education Association, which goes by the initialism CMNEA. I believe we still have Ginny on the line. Ginny, were there any final thoughts before we break away to our new program, 51%? Oh, Peter, I think that that really sums it up. We have a lot of unknowns in our community. And um, moving forward, I think that we're all just watching the numbers and going to be eager to hear our current order for the um, Boone County um, Columbia Health Department actually expires on August the 31st. So a new order will likely be put in place and, and we will all be waiting to see what's in that order. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, Jenny, for all that you do for KOPN. As a reminder, this is a listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. That is why we are so indebted to our fantastic volunteers, particularly uh, Jenny and Dr. Elizabeth Alleman. That about does it for today's episode of Community Pulse. As a reminder, our revised program schedule is Monday and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. You can catch all of the backdated episodes in case you missed anything on our website, kopn.org, also on our Facebook feed and Spotify and Apple podcasts. Coming up, we have a new program. It is entitled 51%. We look forward to hearing some of our listener feedback on that. Do stay safe, do stay informed, and as Dr. Alleman always says, cultivate a cheerful confidence that your body can handle an infection. We'll look forward to speaking with you again live next Monday.